Hey guys, I'm Danny. And I'm EJ. And this is the Your Living Proof Podcast. Where we talk about addiction and how it affects the family, from the brutal to the beautiful and everything in between. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Your Living Proof Podcast. Today's a special one. We're excited. We have a really good guest for you guys today. Um, before we get started, though, I have to share a funny story. Are you okay if I do that, Blondie? I think it's a great one. Yes. So actually, two quick stories of things that happened this week. One of them, one of them was funny, and the other one was not so funny. But <laughs> should I start? Which one should I start with? Dominic, for sure. Okay. So the other day, flat out, right in the middle of nowhere, and I was at the jazz game. I was at a basketball game, and I... <laughs> I get a text from my wife that says, yes, your son just came up to me in front of the rest of the kids and says, mom, what does the number 69 mean? Like, what's the significance of 69? And, yeah. uh, I, and then the, then my other son, Roman pipes in. Yeah. What is that? So they're nine and 11, right? They're very curious. So, because it, what's hilarious is I was, <laughs> I was at the basketball game with a friend of mine and my brother and I showed him the text and my brother's like, "Woo, you got out of that one. And I was like, <laughs> Oh, there's no getting out of this. So the context behind this is our boys had had seen something on television. I think it was a, a YouTube clip about the last dance. Yep. Most of you may, I guess some of you may not know what that is. But the last dance was a video documentary about the Chicago Bulls and, and when Jordan, you know, was... The dream team. When the, the dream, dream team. team was playing right. together. Okay. So... There was a guy named Dennis Rodman, and most of you guys are old enough to probably remember who that was. He was a very colorful character. Yeah. He was also an amazing basketball player, and he had requested. He was adamant. He threw a fit wanting to get the number 69 on his jersey. Well, also, my boys had mentioned they'd seen it written on a wall at school and some other place they'd seen it. So he's like, yeah, Dad, what's 69? Like, what's so cool about that? You know, it's one of those moments as a parent where you're just like, Okay, I'm not prepared right now. Uh, how? What am I supposed to say? How am I supposed to say this? But it was a cool experience. It was. Well, and I, I made sure that my beautiful wife was sitting there with me. Yeah, well, because they asked me and Danny was gone. And I was like, I'm going to tell you exactly what it means. I have to put your sister to sleep because I don't think she really cares about what that means. She's only six. <laughs> and so... I actually didn't end up having the conversation because I put my daughter to sleep and they were already asleep by the time she was asleep. And I, but I followed up with them in the morning and I said, I want to have this conversation with you, but with dad. So let's plan on having it after school today. And they were like, Oh yeah, that's great. Yeah. So the very second, <laughs> the very second that presented itself, they asked again. So yeah. it was, it was a moment where I had to like practice what I preach. Yep. And I sat him down, made sure that Mom was there and both boys were there. And I just said, hey, we showed them how the two numbers align with one another. And I said, hey, those numbers represent a position that people's bodies when they're when they're doing sexual things. Remember when we talked about sex and both the boys do, you know, they have a different level of understanding because of their age. But both of them did. And they were kind of like, oh, gross. Yeah, they were like, that's terrible. But <laughs> they're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. My oldest one. OK. I mean, as much as he knows that it makes sense, the experience, it had a significance to me because, first of all, we've done enough work in our family that they came and asked us. Yes. Instead of, 
searching it on Google. Well, and they were not embarrassed. Like they weren't like, oh, this is good. this is kind of weird. Like they were just straight up like, hey, what does that mean? Yeah. It means something. Well, and they got an answer and they got our attention. And that was just a good experience to be like, hey, you know, there's a lot of these difficult topics that are going to come up. And as parents, sometimes we don't want to have them. But what's the alternative? Yeah. If you don't have this conversation, where do, where else do they find the yeah, information? Yeah, well, they, they would are not looking Googled through an or... encyclopedia like what we yeah. did when we were little. Yeah. And I loved that they were they were confident that I was going to answer it. And they knew that it was, I think they knew that it was something sexual. And they knew that we had had that conversation already. So it wasn't like that shocking. It, but they just wanted to know. And yeah. so... It but was it, actually just, I don't know. It was it was one of those moments where I was really glad it wasn't like, oh, well, let me let me just, first we have to tell you what sex is. I mean, they already had like tons of information on a- actual like you know, body parts and words. It wasn't like the first time that they've ever heard the word penis used like that or something, you know? So it was just, it was actually just one of those moments where I was like, sweet, like we're doing it. <laughs> yeah, well, at least they just felt safe to come and ask us. Yeah. And that was it. That was the point of the story, but you know, I know there's many more moments like that to come. So hopefully they can continue to use us as a resource to find out information other than the other myriad of options that are out there. Yes. Second story before we get going this week, and it was not, it wasn't quite as funny, but it's actually sad. Everyone knows that listens how passionate I am about helping people sort through the insanity surrounding addiction, right? When you have a loved one with an addiction. Well, I had someone reach out to me about their loved one who hasn't developed an addiction. They haven't started down that path, but yet the torment inside that they're feeling emotionally, the depression they have, um, their self-worth. She was really concerned because this young man, her son, had actually recently drawn out a plan and contemplated and even started the process of attempting suicide. And I got to meet with this young man, took him to dinner, and we just got talking. And I shared my story and all the struggles I went and the hopeless place I had been and being in a position where I had the same thoughts and feelings. And it was really, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on I just want to share the most important thing I learned. This young man was incredible. I'm talking about the captain of a dominant sports team in a prolific high school the dude's like six foot two, dark, tall, dark, and handsome. I mean, he looks like the epitome of the perfect guy, right? Yeah. Like where he wants to be and grow up and look like. And yet he's feeling this way. And so as you kind of peel back the layers and start to figure out why, you know, there's things, underlying issues that hurt. Like I don't have any friends. I don't feel like anyone cares about me. I've tried to talk about this with other people and it just, I, this is the response I've gotten. Oh, you need to knock it off. Or, come on, you're awesome. Life's great. You just need hey, to knock it Hey, you have so much up. to be grateful for. Hey, so many other kids have it worse off than you. And you know, those are just typical responses. And those were from people that he loved and trust, even in his own home. His feelings were real. So even though someone would look and say, hey, you need to knock it off. You just brush this off. This isn't a big thing. To him, it was. To him, it was so big and so heavy that he's now contemplating terminating his life because this weight he's carrying is unbearable. So the astounding moment or experience to me was one that I've had so many times, and that's these young people carry this pressure and this weight. And it doesn't matter 
whether it's you listening, mom, you, dad, doesn't matter, aunt, uncle, grandma, grandpa, that feeling they have, that unwanted feeling doesn't have to make sense to you. It doesn't have to be justified by you. So it was just amazing. And for him to be able to express this and be open to somebody who acknowledged his feelings, it took a quite, quite a bit of that weight away mm-hmm. immediately. You know, there's still a lot of work that has to be done. So it was just a moment. You know, if, you, if you've been in those experiences, you know, don't underestimate people's feelings. Talk to them about them. Allow them to open up and talk about it. All of our young people are facing extreme challenges today, unlike we ever had when we were growing up, which is a perfect segue in today's Yes. Today's yes. episode, I'm going to let my wife introduce our guest, yes. but the little teaser is our guest is part of a, a group that is working effortlessly to fight the enemies that our children are facing. Yes. So today I have an amazing human being that is working so hard for every single family in Utah. Um, her name is Brooke Stevens, and she is part of the organization called Utah Parents United. And if you aren't already familiar with this group, you need to get on board like as fast as you can. Yeah, if you're holding <laughs> your phone and you want to follow them. Yeah, just go straight to Instagram and follow at Utah Parents United. Right. Is it all just one word? Yes, it is. I will link it in the show notes too, so you will not miss it. They have a regular account and they have a backup account just in case one fails. That's how passionate they are about keeping parents informed because things are changing on the daily for our kids on so many levels. So I want to just give Brooke the opportunity to take over and I want you to tell us what does Utah Parents, why did Utah Parents United form and what is their overall mission? Um, Utah Parents United formed because we all just got involved independently as moms and we found each other. And so, for instance, um, Corinne, the founder, she's, she wanted her kids not to wear masks to school, so she began a group in the summer. And um, then Nicole moved from Nevada, where she was working with an organization. She's our president in Nevada um, called Power to Parent. And she had had years of experience, and she got involved because of the sex education that was going on there. Oh, okay. And so they worked together through, and they had experience and strategies. And by the time I moved in in October, I was leaving California because of all the sex ed stuff there. Okay. And I was was so sick and tired of it, and I had been fighting it. And so I came here as a refuge. (laughs) Refugee, I guess. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, so then... So you came in 2020? Yes. Okay. And I thought I was home free. I yeah. thought Utah was my sanctuary state. Yeah. <laughs> and you wouldn't um, have to be fighting the same things here is probably what you thought, right? Yeah. Wow. I was I actually was sobbing leaving California. I couldn't help the children. I couldn't help the children. Aww. And I, I know it sounds crazy and my mom and sister are looking at me like she's not so but <laughs> No, it's, <beautiful. laughs> it's real. But it it really devastated me and um And then my neighbor said, oh, there's the, in Granite School District, look at their sex ed program there, because she'd known what I had done. I wasn't getting involved at all. Yeah. And I said, oh, dang it. And I quickly just logged into the group, Corinne's group. Yeah. And I said, here's something you guys could use as a sex ed program. It's what we were promoting in California that met the laws, um, but it glorified relationship first. And um, it's called health education and relationship training. Instead okay. of sexual pleasure, which is what um, comprehensive sex education is. Okay. 
And so um, it was a wonderfully written program. We were trying to get it through schools. And so I just posted, I'm like, hey, Granite School District, here's another option. If you're trying to do all of this stuff, make sure you teach about relationships. Yeah. Because that's the key. And then I thought I was done. I've done yeah. my work. And yeah, then, you're like, I passed it off. There yes. you go. And then Corinne called me and she's like, hey. Yeah. I need you on <laughs> the yeah, ground. Yeah, she's like, yep, yep. We need some more warriors. Yeah. And so it's like we were already doing the work. And then we began to form a team. And then after that, we got the name Utah Parents United. And then we, at the board meetings, um, we noticed another mom who was standing up. And we said, hey, come join us. And, you yeah. know, it's just little things like that. And then we incorporated. And so that's how we got started. We just saw what was going on and got angry and had to do something about it instead of yelling, like, try and make effective change for our kids because there is no way you can do that. There's no way we could sleep at night. I mean, there are kids. We would do anything for them. We already are. I mean, you yeah. get up and do everything for your kid. Yeah. How can you not fight? Yeah. And I never wanted to. My kids were in private school. Yeah. And then the private school director said, hey, do you know what's going on in public schools? You're really going to go over there. And I started looking into it. And that's when my mama bear came out. And I, I'm not political. None of that stuff until I found out what it was. And then I was at the Capitol doing public comment shaking because I didn't yeah. know what to say. Yeah. And, and I, what I want to get out to parents is, you know, I started off with these comments that didn't make sense that I wrote on the fly and I was so nervous about them, but I saw all the people ahead of me giving comment and I'm like, it, because that person did it. And you know, this was back in California. So it was in Korean. It was in every, every other language. Wow. All yeah. walks of life, huh? Yeah. And the majority of the people there were, were immigrants who were standing up for families. It was it was crazy. I'm like, hey, yeah. where where are all the where are all the family? Where are my yeah. friends? Yeah. Why aren't my friends here? Yeah. And it really bothered me. And so I wanted, you know, because it's like, oh, it's fine in, in our neck of the woods, nothing's gonna happen. Yeah, right. Oh, everybody has that feeling. We're yeah. we're good. Yeah. We all think the same. We all want the same. And so I really wanted my friends to do it. And but I began to have new friendships and they were smart because they had a table and they just present the evidence to you mm -hmm. and you start looking at the books and you see what they're doing. And when I finally went up to give my public comment, I didn't know how the process worked. It was the California state school board. And I just started calling them each by name. And I said, you are responsible and you are responsible and you are responsible. And I would say their name. And because, you know, it really is we as parents are responsible, we need to stand up. These people in the school board too, we need to be part of that school board. This is a democracy, we need to be involved, we need to know what's going on. Mm -hmm. And so even though I was telling them they can't pass this off because their decision was already made, this public comment was a formality. Mm -hmm. It was like, no, everything you do or do not do, that is your responsibility. Yeah. And and this happened because you were or were not involved. Yeah. So here's I got to interlude and yeah. say something. The mama bear came out, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Every parent has that in them. Yep. Whether you're the, the papa bear, the mama bear. When you see your children being threatened, right? Yeah. There's an instinct, a natural instinct that happens. Yep. So you could be at the park and see someone physically affecting or threatening your child. Yeah. Doesn't care their age or whatever. You're going to run and stop that. You know, if you see someone introducing drugs to your kid or being mean to your kid, or you find something out, 
you you act immediately. Yeah. You don't hesitate. You just act. But these things that you're talking about are interesting because so many people, like when you say, where are my friends? Like, where's everyone else? Our kids are being attacked. They're being threatened. Yep. They're being challenged. But it's just done in a way where a lot of people stand back because they're well, looking at yeah. like this structure and this system that maybe they either disregard it, they're naive, maybe they just don't understand what to do. But it's just interesting because it's a direct threat to our children and everyone has that instinct to protect their children. But I think a lot of people just fall victim to, well, it's kind of how it was. And when I was a kid, it's just these things happen mm-hmm. and they're just trusting that it's going to be right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and a lot of it is, I'm not brave like you. I don't like getting up in front of people like you. Now, when I was younger and I would talk in class, I would get bright red and start sweating. So yeah, you're like, <laughs> this is like, not my jam. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, yeah. It's really, truly not. Yeah. And they're like, well, I, I have to do this. And there are a you know, a lot of good things you can do, but you need to at least know. And that's that's why I started the Facebook page, Laverna in the Library, in order to show people the actual porn that's in the libraries. Because yeah. I thought wow. if they see... What, what is that again? Um, Laverna in the Library. We're going to link that in the show notes okay. so everybody can access that. It's on. It's a Facebook group. I belong to it. Oh, good. Oh, yeah. I, didn't, I wasn't even aware of it. it yeah. Uh, Wow. Yeah. And if you really want to see what it is, because Laverna, I got so tired of posting the porn that's in the libraries. It actually physically began to change me and mentally. And I'm like, okay, I can, I can post this. People are seeing that they're going to see it and take it out because these are good people. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't believe how they spun it to say we're banning books and burning books. And it is absolutely not true. Right. Because it is obscenity, it's profanity, it's yeah. harmful to minors, all of which are against the law. Yeah. So um, then I did a website for people who aren't on Facebook. And if you want to see that, it's stoputahporn.com. Mm. Yep. Also, I'm linking everything in the show notes so you guys can access all of this information, but keep going. And there were the disclaimers. I actually sent it to my bishop and he's like, you almost got me fired. <laughs> because I opened it at work and I thought you wouldn't send me anything like this. I'm like, oh yeah. So don't send it to your friends. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. But it's it's really graphic. It's really terrible. In fact, in one district, they just said parents. They wrote parents cannot read this stuff over the mic, and um, which is absolutely crazy. But because, it's it's okay to be in the library. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. For kids to pull yeah. up. So it makes me so mad, and it actually baffled me. How can you justify keeping this in? And yet they continued to do it. I actually, so anyway, so if you go see, you'll see what it is. We tried to organize it by district as well, which books are in there. Um, You can look it up by school. We have tutorials on how to find out what it is. Um, And I thought this would be easy because a lot of times I found that in California, trying to wake parents up and you tell them what's going on and they're like, I need to, I need to go find a desert island by myself. I'm going to put my head in the sand. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Get me out of here. Yep. And I thought, or you teach him about critical race theory or social emotional learning or the other things that we're trying to alert parents to that are going on in schools, yeah. which are also very dangerous um, because it's a rejection of society. Anyway, so we're trying to tell them those things, but that takes a little bit more study and background information. Mm-hmm. You can't just go into the office and say, hey, uh, all done critical race theory and social emotional learning. And they're like, oh, we're not doing that. And you're st- sitting there like, uh, how do I talk to them about it? Yeah. And what is it? And yeah. so there takes a little bit more of an understanding so yep. you can have that conversation with your educators. 
I think also if you're a parent and you, if you're unable, like if you don't have the stomach to look at a site that shows you the inappropriate things that are in our children's library, right? If you are a person and good for you. Yeah. If you live your life in a way where that's, that's uncomfortable, that's offensive and you don't even want to see it. Good for you. But understand that right there is the biggest indicator ever that you need to fight. You need to fight and you need to help. If you're not able to look at that link and see the things that the children are, have access to, that's cool. Don't look at it, but understand that that fear you have of looking at that, that concern should really give you the, the courage to go and fight because it's there, it's available and it doesn't need to be. Yeah, I mean, hell, kids nowadays with the phones and the technology they have, they can see far worse. There's always that argument. Oh, yep. it doesn't matter what's in the library because they have much worse on their phone. Well, it does. It's, it a, does it's something matter. we can have control over. And the fact that an institution that we all pay tax dollars for and think they're going to protect our kids, they just have it in print right there. And it's a barometer of the principles and values that the school has. Like, it's like, it you, you won't get this out, then, well, then this is an indication that yes. you think that that's okay. Right. And that is scarier almost to me than that, having the books in there. I absolutely agree. And that's why I love the work that you guys are doing with um, the critical race theory and the sex education going on, because I, I truly believe that most parents don't know. Like, they just assume it's everything that's being taught that they would agree with for the most part. They have no idea what is what is being rolled out. Yes, and it's very insidious, and they and they sneak it in and say it's it's to teach them so that they're protected. It's mm-hmm. they teach consent to so that they're not going to be uh, sexually assaulted. And, right, and, and we already have we already have wording in there. We don't need those words, but that those words allow. Um, Planned Parenthood to come in and give right. presentations. And so so we're trying to warn parents, hey, watch out for these words, watch out for these bills. And I believe there's one coming up fairly soon. So yeah. get on our page. What we really love is that so, and what I love absolutely 100% about Utah is it's so different than California because there's hope here. I have never felt so surrounded by good people and legislators who stand up and want to make a difference and are making a difference. And that little action of contacting your legislator is crazy. I believe mm-hmm. we just sent out a survey for the Utah State Board of Education on their gender identity policy. Yes. Typically, they only receive around one to 2,000 responses. Last word I heard, 40,000. Yeah. Um, and so, and it's, I just want to say it's because of your organization. Oh, thank you. Most of it is, yeah. It, it truly is because it, it has allowed people to see things for what it is instead of kind of like the glossed version of it. And it's given them exact instructions on, hey, whether you believe this or not or agree with it or not, if you want to fight this, this is who you contact. Yeah, the roadmap, Let's, it's the how-to. It's, it's so simple. And you guys have created such a beautiful way for people to see exactly what it is, who to contact, regardless of how you feel about it, pro, cons, whatever, mm-hmm. doesn't matter. But that is so powerful because I just think that most parents think, well, I can't really make a difference. I'm just one person. And, and that's... 40,000. Yes. It's, it's absolutely... Um, to see the power in numbers, to see how many hundreds of people show up to the Capitol for the committee meetings... Um, and board meetings. And it's, 
and all of the um, groups in each school district. So we set it up for, if you go to our webpage, utahparentsunited.org, mm-hmm. you can go to your district and click on your mobilized group. Yep. And each district has one. And so that's a great way to have more of an informal, less publicly viewable thing. We also have Facebook and web pages for each district who has a leader. And so these groups are getting really solid. They're really well trained. We work to train and help and reach out. And some of them don't need training. They're fabulously organized and and we refer everybody to them. So these parents are understanding their importance, their and the difference that they're making. And so to all, everybody who's listening, I encourage you to do one small, simple thing and then do another small, simple thing because you're the way and you're the reason that your kids can be protected mm-hmm. and safe. And we need that from from you right now because top down, we've got some things we're fighting. Well, and, yeah. and you know, we're, we're, we're ones that are watching you guys. We admire what you're doing, but our own little personal witness of this is I can't tell you how many times. So if you guys don't follow them, they have these calls to action. Whenever there's a critical time, a bill being passed, a meeting being held, an opportunity for the the public's voice to be heard, they send out these calls to action. And they clearly state what we're doing, who to contact. And Mm -hmm. every time they do it, I'll look over my wife's sitting there. It's like (laughs) 11 at night and she's on her phone texting like, which yeah. is such intensity and she's going yeah. and then I'm like, Hey hon, you want to watch a show? And she's like, hold on a second. And she keeps texting and I'm, I'm like, what? And she's like contacting my representative. Yeah, she's like, I'm contacting all the representatives listed. And I was like, Oh my gosh. And so it's been really cool because it's something she wants to do. But again, they give you the instruction yeah. on how to do it, who to contact and everyone out there needs to do it. Well, and it's as simple as for me, I, I'm like, I will contact every single person in my district or however, you know, cause there's different for every bill, but I also will just simply repost your post on my Instagram. And I'm, I don't have 200,000 followers, but I have a thousand of moms that really care and, and grandparents that really care. And that's how you guys have grown so quickly is just, it's these warrior moms that see I can do something for my child. This is important to me. This is what I want my child to know I'm fighting for them. And I've been so grateful because as we were approaching the school year for 2021 and we were looking at the mask mandates happening again, I'm telling you, my mama bear was just, I was ready to fight because of the negative impact it had on my children on every level. I mean, socially, cognitively, emotionally, it was, it was a tough, tough time when they had to mask. And so again, we won. Yeah, we did. (laughs) It was amazing. And I'm so grateful. You guys get such unique perspective at this. I I'm just curious in your opinion, you guys are right on the front lines in the trenches. Like, what do you think the one or two biggest changes are in the education system from maybe 20 years ago? Right. Because I think a lot, schools. I think I'm guilty of this to a degree. I know yeah. my parents are and anyone, you know, older than me of just assuming that it's a safe place that we don't have to worry about what's going on. You know, because when we were younger, there wasn't a lot of change. It was like, are we getting new equipment in the gym or not? Like, yeah, pretty straightforward. But what do you think maybe what the one or two biggest changes are in education system from 20 years ago to today or 10 years ago to today? 
I was thinking about that question, and um, 20 years ago, I was just getting finishing my master's degree at UMass Boston in critical and creative thinking, which is in the Graduate College of Education. The whole theories behind it were, how do you make teaching and education more effective? And that was the first time that I heard of Lies My Teacher Told Me. It was a book that came out in 1995. And in that book, it basically says, you know, Abraham Lincoln, not so hot because he did this and this. All of these uh, people who we traditionally held up as our heroes in history class, it's like, they weren't. They're yeah. not. And I remember thinking as I was listening to this, because, you know, I loved that program. I think it fundamentally changed who I am and allowed me to just engage in a different way with people in dialogue, you know, and, and listen and just wonderful things came out of it. But also, um, he said, one of the things about that was I felt like, oh, good, I know better than my parents because mm. now I know the truth. These yeah. are lies they told me. And I want to make sure that I tell everybody the truth about our founders. And is there a way, you know, you start to get this idea that you know more than other people and you need to change things. And it feels like powerful and you need to do it. And, yeah. and so... Um, I basically reconciled in my head. I don't know if you saw my last post about um, Black History Month. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and in that, I was I always like to um, engage with people who disagree with me so that I can understand their point of view and also um, figure out mine a little bit better. Good for you. And um, in that, I was able to say, you know, there is nobody who is totally infallible. Martin Luther King, right? He's mm -hmm. so inspirational. But he also was a philanderer. And so, um, but we have to have heroes to look up to. And, and we have to talk about the hard things so we can see the power of the human spirit rise above. It's yeah. just basically like what you guys are doing. Yeah. yeah. Look, at, look at the difficulty, but also look at what the solution is. It's connection. Yeah. yeah. And it's so true. There is always a solution there. So the problems shouldn't scare us. Yeah. Um, so... Ultimately, um, and I, I don't think it lasted very long that I thought I was, you know, better than anybody yeah. and I need to tell him this idea. I was just like, yeah, we can tell him the, the tr struggles he faced as well as the champion, the good things. Because as parents, you don't say, oh, yeah, I snuck out of class, too, when I was younger and I did this and I did that. I mean, yeah. maybe you're telling it to your kids, but you don't want to give them ideas and it's how you presented it. And it's Correct. their age that you presented yeah, it. Yeah, right. So... <clears throat> So I think that that's, I know it began in 1934, actually, because um, there was an article, I wish I could remember the guy's name, but just it's been in the works a long time. So I, I can't say that it started just 20 years ago, but when I and left the education system 20 years ago, I experienced that sense of, oh, this is how it really is, and I'm going to help the world by telling them and really that is the Marxism that's entering in. It's this, it's this alienation by the, the youth to, that they're like, oh, I want to reject society yep. and I want to recreate a new one. Yeah. And so you begin it by um, having them start to notice that all of these in inequalities that are going on or inequities around you with gender ideology and critical race theory mm -hmm. And so you start to get this sense of social justice. And when you reject and then you want to recreate a brand new society, that's a huge problem because what started as social emotional learning, it started out as, you know, you want to help these kids who are bullying or whatever in small groups. And then it grew up into, 
you know, the third grade teacher who is doing group therapy, which is one of the most hardest therapies to achieve and not really trained. And then you get this group mentality. Well, how do you feel about this? And, Mm -hmm. and it's just not a healthy place to be. It's not good for parents to be putting the teaching of values on. Anyway, it's just teaching identity and that disassociation. Who are you? Well, let me teach you, help you understand who you are. That is truly for the parents. Yeah. It's funny how it all sways one way or the other. Like, I think maybe when we were younger, we just ignored a lot of things. We just, we were so black and white one one way, right? Mm-hmm. It was almost like that's the lack of knowledge in education. But now it seems like it's swinging back the opposite way, which yeah. is just push against everything, revolt against everything, challenge everything, question yep. everything. And I just want to say from a personal experience, that is what's fueling the, the real epidemic of our time, which is addiction and mental health and suicide. Every young adult that I've met with over the last few years their life's now unmanageable. Their life now is consumed with life-threatening addictions. They are now at suicidal, you know, position in life. But it all started at that young age with the challenges that you guys are fighting against. Every one of them, it's the exposure they had to sexual relationships, the inappropriate Mm -hmm. stuff at young ages, or the pressures of understanding themselves and navigating. All of them started with something uncomfortable when they were younger, something confusing, something scary, something intimidating. And they didn't have the chance to navigate through that. They didn't have the place to know how. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, that used to be back when school was, I think, typically a safe place. Yeah. You know, like a not threatening place. And But nowadays, it's happening in our homes, it's happening in our schools, and it, it makes it really difficult. It really does. Yeah, it absolutely does. So what would you say is the most pressing things that that are going on right now that parents could get yeah, involved with? To you. For me, the biggest passion is getting the um, pornography out of our schools. There is no reason for that to be in there. And actually, um, today, the, there should be a bill that's coming um, that parents can stand up for. And it, it's a fabulous bill because... What it's like in, um, it goes against federal obscenity laws. But in the schools, there is a um, obscenity loophole in 43 states such that it allows this pornography to be in schools and educational institutions. Wow. Without being criminally charged. And so this Can you tell us what that is specifically? Is it the books? Yes. Okay. These are the books in the library that have porn in them. Okay. Like it's just... It's absolutely terrible. Just it's porn. graphic. You can yeah. see. No, it. I I actually got on the, okay. <laughs> and I saw. I actually read the words, and it. My husband knows. Like I can't. I, I don't do well with like hearing. I can't even watch movies where children are being abused or in any way. I I can't function. <laughs> like it causes me to shut down. And just reading, it made me so sick that I actually couldn't sleep, <laughs> and so. I am with you 1,000% on on this, 1,000%. Thank you. Yeah, we need parents everywhere. It actually, um, there are many times when I can't stop shaking or crying, and even when the news reporters would come, and I knew what their intent was. Yeah. They'd come over to my house, and I'm like, yeah, I want to do a story because I want people to know what's going on. Yeah. But I knew how they were going to spin it. Yeah, absolutely. And so afterwards, I'd always say, it's your responsibility. It's like me pointing the finger again. Yeah. You have to tell people the truth. You have to tell them 
what is going on. You have to see this. Let them at least see it. And so in the first news article, they did show it and they blurred it out. Yeah, yeah. But being so invested in this, and it really takes a toll where yeah. I just have to go let myself. I drive somewhere where it's dark at night. And, yeah. And, and then I just, I let it out. Yeah, you have to. You have, have to. to let it out because it really is difficult. And we need parents everywhere to stand up and say no. Yeah. And without them, it's not going to happen. And if you think your voice doesn't matter, you're wrong. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And we've seen that. We've seen it in so many bills. And I mean, I can't shout it from the rooftops enough. This organization is going to tell you exactly. They're not mincing words. And it is hard. It will be a gut check for you. But let that break your heart wide open to what you need to do, what your responsibility is as part of the community. I don't care if you're a parent or a grandparent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Grandparents are awesome. Yeah. Any, any, um, well now I, nowadays I just want to share, I think we're all distracted by so many things and social media distracts us even worse, right? Yeah. Busy lives distract us worse. So we have so many things going on financial pressures, social pressures. We're comparing ourselves to people. Every time you look at your phone, someone's on vacation. So you feel like you need to be on one also. It gets overwhelming. So what happens is it's easier for people to avoid it. Yeah. So I've found in my own line of work, often these incredible parents, these incredible families now have a loved one whose addiction has become life-threatening and they no longer can ignore it. But for so long, it was just simply wanting to do something else, not wanting to believe it was happening, just not having the desire to commit to something difficult. This is exactly what happens here. This topic is one, and I have to say, Brooke, you have a beautiful spirit and a soul, and your passion about what you're doing is the same passion I have about what I'm doing, and we get to see the raw, brutal part of it. You have opened yourself up and exposed yourself to see these images, to read these words so that you can empower other parents you can fight these these situations and, and help pass these bills. You have to do it. My passion for the people I help with addiction comes from my own experience and, and being homeless and being found dead and being brought back to life and living on the streets and the things that I've experienced make me passionate about it. But the reality is what I'm trying to say is you've seen the brutality of it because you've opened yourself up to it. I've seen the brutality of the other side because I've experienced it, which just makes your heart ache. It's what makes you shake. It's what makes you passionate about what you're doing. It makes what you driving to a dark place to be alone at night because you know. I just want to scream from the rooftops and tell everybody I'm not a big organization. I can't claim to have statistics. But in the last couple of years, I've worked with a lot of people. Yeah. I have had conversations with thousands of people. I'm talking about one-time, one-off conversations, right? Yeah. Where I've got to hear their story. Sometimes it's six, seven in a day. I just want to share with every person out there listening, whether you want to acknowledge that it's real or not. The true gateway drug is sexual confusion, pornography, gender identity, all these things that fuel into the, to this because every individual, I don't care if they're now smoking crystal meth, if they're overdosing from fentanyl, if they're alcoholics, I don't care what their addiction is. Under the age of 40, anyone who has an addiction at this point started from sexual pressures, depression, anxiety, pornography at a young age, questioning things, not feeling comfortable, 
not getting answers. It all started. Every single one. I'm not, I'm not saying it's four or five, you know, people out of 10 or something. Every person I've sat and cried with, every person I've visited who's currently incarcerated, every person I've dr- taken to treatment, their misery started from the inappropriate sexual attacks on them when they were young and they couldn't carry it anymore. Yeah. So let's say it started at 12 or 13 or 14. Those sexual secrets, the inappropriate things that they had inside that were, were just affecting them festered. And then pretty soon someone introduced something. Maybe it was vaping. Maybe it was alcohol. Maybe it was marijuana. Maybe a doctor said, oh, you have problems here. Take some Adderall. The second they got these drugs or these substances, it took away that pain and it all came from sexual things. Yep. Every single one, every single young person. So then all of a sudden they just found the magic cure to all these uncomfortable, unwanted feelings they were having. And then it led to, it just does what addiction well, does. And it just it's takes your agency. And- so I just want everyone out there to know that I see people who are on the other side of plexiglass walls in jail, who are living in the streets a young man I found just weeks ago living in his van and all of them, it started because of inappropriate sexual images, actions, things they'd seen, things they'd done. And then the second they can find relief from anything else, even if there's someone who would have never drank or never smoked crack in their life, they will gladly welcome it because this, the unbearable pressure of the sexual things they experienced in whatever fashion, <laughs> It could be a book in their classroom, something they heard in school, something they witnessed, something they did is so heavy and dark. Yes. So it's serious. So if this is one thing we can do as parents to be proactive, because we're always saying, hey, listen, once your loved one has a a serious full-blown addiction, it's difficult. The percentage of those people recovering is extremely low. I've witnessed that. But what we can do is fight, fight like Mm -hmm. hell when they're younger, to do anything to be preventative about it, to take things out of school that don't need to be there, to educate our kids, to talk to them about them, to empower them with these things. Well, and to take the responsibility upon ourselves to be teaching those things, that identity, Mm. we that is our responsibility. We take that from the schools and let them know we, the parents, would like to be teaching that. That's our job. Exactly. And that's what you guys do so well. And I even went through all of the third and fourth grade SEL curriculum for my kids and tried to show it to the principal and teachers. This is why I object. Because the family was never mentioned. The kid was supposed to identify their favorite safe person. Mm -hmm. And they never said, hey, go talk to your mom, Mom. talk about what it is. They said, and when they did mention a family, it was about another friend who was having a problem with them. And I said, this is why I have a problem. These kids are left to imagine that they don't have this wonderful support network, their yeah. family, this connection. Yep. It's like destroying the connection. Yep. And so, and there were other good things that they talked about. Sure. But destroying that connection with family and yep. with parents yep. is, is so... Well, it's evil. It's yes. very subtle, but mm-hmm. it is like at its core evil. And it's truly everything that we fight for, which is... The opposite of addiction is connection, and I believe the strongest connection for every human should be inside of their home. Yes. That's where the tightest connection needs to be, especially when you are growing up. Mm-hmm. And your your home, everyone's home is going to look different, and that is totally fine. But inside of those walls needs to be safety, needs to be true connection, needs to be authentic vulnerability. That's our responsibility as parents. Yep. 
And and I, I also think it's really cool that our guest Brooke and all the other moms doing this, it's, they're doing it out of the kindness of their they heart. They are. It's That's, also something they're passionate about. And obviously you guys have heard she has the credentials to do this. It, she's, she's been educated on these things. She's been involved with it. This isn't something they just grabbed out of thin air and decided that this was going to be their identity. This is a passion that all of us have. It's, it's something that affects all of us. So, but we're so grateful that yeah, you are. And I'm like, so you know grateful. what? We all spend time looking at, we spend so much time of the week, like watching a fitness thing on our phones or following a lady who makes awesome cakes, which is cool. Right. Or a craft <laughs> to cake. do this, or, Hey, this person does this quilting. You can still do that, but why don't you take a percentage of that away? These little guilty pleasures we all have yeah. that are lighthearted and easy yeah, and instill yourself with something like what they're doing and figure out a way you can fight something you can do where you can contribute. So your takeaway from this is go to the episode notes and follow every account that Brooke is going to leave for us and share it with someone. Okay. Share this episode, share this information with somebody because they're, you may feel small, but there is so much power in each one of us. Each one of us has a reach that matters and one person at a time matters. And I think we saw that this week with the 40,000 people writing in. So yeah, anyway. what, what would be your parting words if a parent's like, yeah, I want to do this. I want to help. I want to support what they're doing. What's the best way to start? I, I would start following and just take small actions, find out who your legislators are. But I want to encourage parents too. Like I, I told you I went in my car and went and held. And I want them to know that there is so much joy in this. Oh yeah. When you link with other people who are doing the same thing. Yeah. And when I see these posts of people who are supporting it and who want to fight and, and just the friendships I've made of people like yep. you guys and the UPU board. And I'm you're not alone. And standing together is one of the most, the word I say is peace, because inside of my soul, even with all this tumult and yeah. everything around us, I feel this inside peace almost all the time. Yeah. And I feel joy to see these faces and these other people. And and, you know, there were people I was working with in California, but Utah is special. Yeah. Utah is amazing. And so we have a great opportunity. Wow. Yeah. And to lead out the country, I'm connected with groups across the nation. Yeah. And they're looking at what we're doing Following. and they're sharing yeah. these posts yep. into their groups. Yep. I think I think that's the one thing that's been interesting to watch with COVID and all that's happened is everybody feels so divided. But we're... We're not. We're all so deeply connected. Uh, yeah, and I, I love I strongly that. feel like the majority of people in the state, regardless of their ethnicity, background, yeah. their financial Religion. status, they all feel, I think the majority, vast majority feel exactly as passionate and as you guys do. Their thoughts and feelings are yeah. in line, at least for the most part, in line with what you guys are doing, but they just don't know where to do or what to start. It's not the popular thing. And it's not real. It's this it's this facade that it's not the popular thing to do because it is. And we need everyone to get on board and fight. So yeah. yep. it's yeah. it's a beautiful thing. There's we, And there's groups across the country. You can look at Power to Parent. They're opening up in new states. California Parents United. They're, I mean, yes. so many people around the country. And you look at that too and it lifts you up. And yeah. you say, I'm not the only parent. Yeah. We're not the only parents. Like, yeah. it's so great. So I love these other states, these other parents rising up. Yes. And it's. I'm sure. Yeah. So I'm if you're sure. not in Utah, no, there are there are lots of other states that are following suit. Yeah. Yes. So and I can only imagine the victories you guys have. I know there's defeats. I know there's things you're not victorious on, but even if it's 
the bill that's passed or something that you guys have done to change. I mean, I'm sitting over here just listening to you and wondering what would be more satisfying. Yeah. Like what would give you What's more, more worth rewarding, your effort? <laughs> rewarding than doing something to protect not only your own children, but all the children without a voice. And I just thought I, I couldn't think of a thing. I couldn't think yeah. of a single thing, even what I'm doing. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, kudos it's, to you guys for what amazing. you're doing. So thank you so much for being here, Brooke. And again, everything's going to be linked. You can find Utah Parents United. You can connect with Brooke. I'm just so grateful you were here. So thank you so much. And we will thank see you, you guys next me. week. Thank <laughs> you. See ya.